The Last Advocate. The Thank you so much for tuning in to The Last Advocate, where we are highlighting advocacy and the great people behind the mission. We hope you leave inspired and ready to do the work. Welcome to the first taping of The Last Advocate. I am so excited. I am excited to kick off these episodes for 2018 and get in contact with some of the biggest best advocates in Baltimore, D.C., and Virginia. And today I am excited because I have Ms. Chantel Roberts with me. She is a social entrepreneur, an advocate for maternal and child health, and the founder and director of Touching Young Lives Incorporated, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that focuses on the health and well-being of infants and children. Welcome, Chantel. Thank hey, you. I need some of that music <laughs> that plays that goes, Oh, yeah. I need some of that in the background. Some Alice Hall music. Yeah, I need something. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much me. for being the first guest to the last I'm advocate. Honored. I, I'm I can't honored. believe it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so happy new year. Happy New Year. It is December 2018. Let's go. So listen. Did I say December? Yeah, you did. January. It's, okay. it's January. Ah, I gave you a break. You're, you're an advocate. You're a nonprofit We business. start over. 2018 to start in February. <laughs> start in February. I get it. I get it. When you're doing this on your own, like every day is the same day. It's like Groundhog's Day. So listen. How did you get involved in this work? How, how did you become an advocate? Before oh, we dive into your organization and what you advocate for, when did you know I'm an advocate and I'm gonna advocate my behind off because I believe in this? That is a really, really good question. So, and I, and I think that happened really early on. Um, so in 2009, I had a daughter and it was my first child. I had just graduated college a couple years prior. Um, shout out to Village Early College. <laughs> and that's now Stevenson, right? It's now Stevenson, yes. I'm telling my age. <laughs> <laughs> so I had just graduated, just got my first retail job, management position, and I found out I was pregnant. Um, I was terrified, absolutely terrified, because I, I don't operate with small people. <laughs> like, what do you do with this small person? So, um, and at the same time, my boyfriend, my daughter's dad, he was working for the Department of Defense. And one of his dream jobs was to be an agent. And you know, to this job, you had to get other jobs to get that experience. Right. And so with all that being said, he was he relocated to Jacksonville shortly after I had my daughter. So we would do this like dance of coming back and forth between Jacksonville and Baltimore with our daughter. So you know, she could spend equal amount, equal amounts of time between the both of us. And somewhere um, after her first birthday, um, I believe it was January 2011, he visited her dad. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the last time that she would visit him. So February 13, 2011, um, my dad picked my daughter up from her father's mom's house and she was sick. And when I picked her up, from my dad and that night was just so rough. She projectile vomited, she had a fever. Um, it was just a really rough night for us. So the next morning, as soon as this urgent care center that I took her to opened, 
I took her. Mm -hmm. And they gave her a cultural for the flu, they gave her a strep cultural, and it came back negative. Absolutely negative. I'm like, what's wrong with her? They said it was a common cold or a viral infection, and she wasn't better in three days to bring her back. And in my reality, in three days, I was planning my daughter's funeral. And that was the absolute lowest point of my life. Um, I had done what I was supposed to do as a mom. I had done, um, I had followed the particulars. I took her to the doctor. She had insurance. I got her medication. I was home. Like, I, I did the, the old rinse and repeat. I did what I was supposed to do. And I met that very unfortunate outcome, which was a really, really hard time for me. Um, but what I will say is that I'm very grateful to my tribe of supporters because I did do therapy. I did group, I did individual therapy, um, and I did research because I wanted to know, like, how often does this happen? Like, you know, babies are dying, and why are they dying? And what are the environments that they live in? And is that important to why they're dying? And I found out that it did. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take a step forward to better the community that I was living in and to bettering not only their, their birthing outcomes, but I didn't want another family to bury their child the same way I had to do mine. So that's how I, um, I think I came to that pivotal moment and I was like, okay, wait, this is bigger than me. It's, it's a lot bigger than me. Wow. Yeah. That story. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. Thank you so much for telling that story. Thank and you. I know yeah. that it's a tough story to tell. Yeah. So it's one of those situations where a, a circumstance creates an advocate. Yeah. And before yeah. you know it, like you said, you are making sure and doing everything that you can to make sure another family has to go through what you did. It is, and I, I operate from that place every day because even in the world of advocacy, I think it's different uh, between two people, one that has seen something gone wrong and they just don't like it, but there's no true emotional attachment to it, and then someone that has gone through it because you're always going to operate from that place because you remember, hopefully you do anyway, how it was when you experienced it. Um, so I always operate from that space. Wow. So let's talk about your organization a little bit. Sure. Let's talk about Touching Young Lives. Tell me how you uh, have gotten it off the ground and give any advice to anyone that's listening oh, that man. has this burning desire to start an organization and it's particularly that may be interested in infants and children. Like, how did this all come into fruition since you've decided to do it, now this is what I'm gonna do. Sure, so after my daughter died, um, one of the things that one, a couple of my friends said was, let's start a foundation for her. And I didn't know what a foundation was, I didn't know what a nonprofit was. I didn't know any of that. I knew I wanted to do something because I did come to the point where I said, okay, you know what, God? I'm mad at you right now. Don't know why you really did this, but I'm sure it's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. So let's try to make some sense of it. Um, so I met with an attorney from the University of Maryland. They have a school of law where they actually have a pro bono um, service. So essentially they have a senior level uh, law class where you have senior level students that operate as attorneys um, and you get free legal services. And I applied for the program and I got it. I uh, worked with them for a few semesters, we flushed bylaws and we flushed 
articles of incorporation and we flushed, you know, what were my goals? Like, what did I want to do? What would be my mission? What would be my vision? Um, who would I want to do it for? Is it a particular demographic, ages? Um, and in November 2012, I incorporated as a nonprofit organization. We didn't have 501c3, mm -hmm. but I was an official nonprofit. Exactly. And so I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled. Um, and at that time, we just we did very small mom and pop things. Uh, we would partner with uh, daycare centers and Head Start programs. Mm -hmm. And we'd do like Easter baskets. We'd do um, Christmas drives and uh, donate toys. Um, and we'd volunteer and things like that. Because I just wanted to, in the beginning stages, it was a space for me to feel that I couldn't be with my daughter. And then as the years went by, we incorporated curriculum in, and our network expanded. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I went to the John Hopkins University Social Innovation Lab boot camp in September 2016, I, I went there because I already had the nonprofit. I'm like, okay, Chantel, what's going to be my, like, what's going to be a platform for us to, like, take on that will be very measurable, that you can see your results, that is a painful problem in the city, and I'm always an advocate for that. Identify a painful problem. You know, certain things are subjective and they're very fluid and they come and go, but children living is, it's gonna be around. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's oh, gonna yeah. be around. So um, I went to the boot camp, it was fabulous, and I had the idea that I wanted to launch the Baby Box in Baltimore City. Yes. Um, I had already done some research on it, it had launched maybe six months prior in Philadelphia at Temple University Hospital, um, and I wanted to do it. So that's the the PACS, the Portable yes. Alternative. But it career. wasn't a PAC yet. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a PAC. It was an idea. It literally was an idea. So it, it then became the PAC. It did over the next seven months. It became. All right, let's talk yes. about it. Tell me everything. It was about amazing. It. So, and I would never advise anyone to do this, but you know, and but I'm also an advocate. Shoot your shot. That that's just do it. I think that's the theme for 2018. It should do. Just, just go shoot for your it. shot. <laughs> do it. Trump's president. Just do it. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> that tells you don't give up. Don't what is give he up. 70 something became president. Don't like, let your don't resume stop you. Don't give up. <laughs> Keep going. So um, I do the boot camp. Uh, they had an application that was due 48 hours later. I still submitted it. Um, I was thrilled when I saw I got selected for an interview, selected from an interview, and I was selected for the cohort. So essentially, the cohort was a six-month accelerated business incubator uh, where they teach you to, you know, you go through creating logic models and testing your assumptions and creating metrics and building out this platform for a for-profit business. And by the end of it, there's a final presentation. Everyone had a hard as, and you launch your, your initiative. And so April 22nd, 2017, I launched the Portable Alternative Crib Initiative, which was essentially providing portable alternative cribs, safe sleep, cardboard, baby bassinet boxes to families that had limited sleeping space in their home or had no other alternative um, safe sleeping space for their infants. Uh, for free. Um, and since then, uh, since launching in April, we've given out over 900 portable alternative cribs in Baltimore City. I'm so sorry? Over 900. Over 900? Over 900. 
so you yes. like blowing through some deliverables like this is a big deal it's a deal it's a deal um i want to stop you though because you mentioned so much and i'm thinking about people that are listening and people mm -hmm. that have the desire to get out there and start doing things and making that decision and coming through that coming to that decision and putting that step in front of the other step just listening to you talk about the free uh legal services you got yeah. thinking about the johns hopkins the uh initiative and you becoming a cohort these yeah. are things that people need to know about if you have a desire and you have things that you want to do you need to be writing down things that miss roberts is saying <laughs> and googling it do it figuring out how you can get out there and push your cause yeah. and do the things that you love to do and make the impact that you want to make yes. i i am just amazed so okay yes. so tell me tell me some more and, and and you know even speaking to that point like people always ask like what is the word of you know inspiration that you give to people I, and it's nothing all you know long and drawn out it's literally be something every day that your future self would appreciate and if it's just doing a little bit of research or just writing your mission statement, writing what you want to do, if you want to do a nonprofit, do you know our organization is doing something and you don't like the way they do it? Do you want to fix it? Do you want to integrate it? Do you want to volunteer? You know, I even recommend that people do that. Volunteer somewhere where you think you want to do it, because you might find out you, you don't, don't want to do I it. I don't even like kids. <laughs> you even, may find out you don't even like kids. Before you didn't have this whole organization <laughs> off the ground. And, no. you know, are you good at fundraising? Are you good at selling it? Like, what are you good at? Like, what no. is your thing? Find your thing. I think, I can't remember if it was Steve Harvey, someone I was listening to, and they were just like, uh, what will you do for free? What will you do? And it's so funny you said that because before I, um, so ultimately we'll get there, but I work full time for the nonprofit now. But I remember meeting with someone that worked full time in his organization and I said to him, when did you know it was time? Like, how did you know that you were ready to work full time in this capacity? And he said, when I woke up every day and that's all I could think about. And I literally used to get to that point in my old job that I'm most productive in the morning. So I would give 120% at my job and then I would treat my nonprofit like oh. some little side girlfriend. Oh. And well, you're, are you writing these things down? <laughs> are you writing? Are you, listeners, like these things are important. I yeah. had I had a coworker tell me, she said, I, I have to move on. I said, why do you have to move on? She said, I'm missing Monday through Thursday because all I'm focused on is Friday because I want this week to be over because I'm not happy doing what I'm doing and because there's something else for me and I have to go get it. You I'm do. tired of rushing my life. I don't remember the last three years my and I got to go for it. And I thought, and I think about that every day, like every day when I want to rush to Friday so I can have the, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to enjoy my moment. Monday. Yes. And if that means on Monday I can't go to sleep till two o'clock in the morning because I have to sacrifice and yeah. do some other things for the things that I love to do. And it happens like that. I mean, but it's a big difference between staying up at two o'clock, staying up until two o'clock in the morning to finish a report when you really don't see the results of it, or it really has no significant value to you, versus when I'm staying up until two o'clock in the morning, it's okay. I'm going to ensure that I shipped out this X amount of packs, or yes. that I, you know, I'm following this family, or I'm making sure that things for my my organization are together so that it can sustain itself. Like I care about it. So it's a difference when you're doing it for something that you care about because you're not disgruntled. If I wake up disgruntled at seven o'clock from going to bed at two o'clock, it's because I need my coffee. 
versus <laughs> like I hate my job. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and how could you hate doing the great work that you're doing? The Last Advocate is sponsored by My Law Now. My Law Now is the leading on-demand video conference legal consultation app that gives you a face-to-face -face consultation with an attorney at any time. My Law Now, secure and personal legal advice on your time. www.mylawnow.com. So it. what's a typical day? Typical day, and it's so it interesting. Okay, so let me also add this part in there. So since I um, finished the Social Innovation Lab cohort. Mm -hmm. um, How long does it last? That's six months. Okay. So, so it's November through April. Gotcha. And then you go on to do, you know, great things in the world, hopefully. You know, if you stick to what you're doing and you put the work in, it will flourish. Um, but I also applied to Open Society Institute to be a community fellow. Mm -hmm. So again, I hope you all are listening. <laughs> it's people out here that are foundations that will pay you to do what you love to do. And so I applied that Google was- Google it, OSI. OSI, application's open now. <laughs> um, they select 10 fellows a year to do community-related initiatives around the city. They give you $60,000 base salary to do this for 18 months. And there's additional funding available and that's included in your contract. But essentially, you are given a lump sum of money to live out, which you probably are already doing now for free. That is absolutely amazing. I, you, Google <laughs> is your friend. Yes, Google. do it. Do it. But essentially, what? so circling back to your question, what my day looks like, it looks different every day. Um, so I'm really, my fellowship just started in November. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of in the swing of things now. So some days, because I give out the portable alternative cribs throughout the city, I'll do observations because I collect data to fix them, to make them like the best version of themselves or to see what families are saying about them. Mm -hmm. um, I have meetings to build the initiative out. I have research and development days to, to make them better. Mm -hmm. I have... Um, I have storage days, I have inventory days, I have data uh, input days, um, but the reality around it is my days are how I make them. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind it because it's my thing. And I see the results from it. Mm -hmm. I see, you know, I love going to visit my families and seeing the babies and giving them back. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like that if my son is sick, I can stay home with him and yeah. I'm not like, oh, dag, I only have two hours of sick time. Oh my God. Or I also That's like, a whole nother podcast. if I want to drop him Jeez. off at school and stay for an hour, yes. I can. I, I can do those things. This podcast is brought to you by Support a Cause Foundation for the Arts, a nonprofit committed to making the arts accessible to youth through advocacy, providing grants, scholarships, workshops, and outreach and education. Go to www.supportacausefoundation.org to get involved and for more information. Okay, so can you explain to me what a PAC looks like? Sure. So essentially, I didn't create the idea to finish are brilliant. Like it's something as simple as a cardboard box, but they've been doing it since the 1930s. Literally oh, wow. since the 1930s. So what they would do is they would have this card, standard cardboard box, and they would put padding at the bottom, and they put items on the inside to help the new parent on their journey of parenthood. So it was universally distributed. So everybody got a box. Everybody got a box. Oh. So the box, in addition to just advancements with healthcare and educational system has brought down their infant mortality numbers like 
over 50%. I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I'm almost with 75% since then. Wow. Since 1934. So when I learned that Temple University Hospital was launching, they had a, a model very similar to the Finnish model. Hmm. But understanding, we're, I work in Baltimore City. That's where I start. That's my baby. That's, that's where I grew up. Like, I understand that environment. So I wanted a couple considerations. Um, so essentially, my version has slanted sides, so a lot for storage. Um, so if you have more than one, or if you're in a healthcare setting, you don't have a whole lot of space. So you can stack them on top of each other versus the straight. Um, I have handles on the sides so that you can carry it. Mm -hmm. And even with the handles, I did research to learn that over a certain amount of weight, you can actually cut yourself with cardboard. So I put clips on the inside to, for comfort, but really for a preventative measure. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest things that I added was an expiration date. Let's keep in mind, this is cardboard, so it shouldn't be used extensively or after six months. And that is really just to govern the integrity around the product. Yeah, absolutely. So it's literally for those that early stage where you're integrating into parenthood and you know a lot of times we see our families co-sleeping and putting out their babies in car seats and infant swings and bouncing chairs where they really should be in a secure farm and flat surface. No, that is awesome. Uh, Chantel, what, what does this mean to you? Being able to do this work, being able to be an advocate, being able to uh, use your voice and your talents and your skills and make a difference. It's so lives. meaningful to me. Um, and I know this is like the cliche, yeah, you no, know, it is. world peace question, but I mean it. No, it's it's always so like emotional for me because when I started the nonprofit, in a sense, it became my baby. Mm -hmm. And then in 2013, I gave birth to a, a wild animal little boy. <laughs> but to me still, the nonprofit is, you know, it's a replacement of my daughter in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having outreach experience and going out and meeting families, like you put a face to the stories. And oftentimes you see these, you know, particular, these storylines and these uh, trajectories that the media tries to portray, and that's not the way at all. And what I, I have internalized, you know, just growing up in, in, in the inner city, a lot of times you can tell a story about the neighborhood or the conditions or the environment without offending or degrading the person or mm -hmm. the people. Mm -hmm. Because uh, with all the families that I've worked with, everybody wants to do the right thing. Yeah. Like, everybody wants to be a good mom, good dad, good citizen. But everyone's environment and everyone's circumstance doesn't yeah. create that element of, <laughs> you know, support for them. So what I try to keep in mind when I do my work, you know, I'm operating from that space, I'm trying to help you to be the best version of yourself. And if you're the best version of yourself, then you can do that for your child and for others. Um, but then I always remember, you know, would I even still be doing this? Or how, like, how did I know that the trajectory of my life was gonna change that it brought me into this? Because if my daughter hadn't died, I don't know what I would be doing. So I do know that she died for a reason. Even though it was so cloudy, during that time mm -hmm. that now I see like, okay, God, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Now. Wow. That's so amazing. Barriers. What do you do to them? <sighs> do you see them coming? Do you, uh, 
you know, sometimes people cower from them. Some people walk the other way. I don't want to have to deal with them, but they're going to be there. Barriers. Do you do you see any? Because the good thing is infant and child health, like that, that's kind of universal. We all want to see that do well. But I know for everyone there are, let me put it to you this way. I don't care about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I'm just living my life. Why should I care? I care. Yeah, yeah. Marche cares. <laughs> I want to make that clear. Marche cares. I'm saying I am someone, you are the last person yeah. on this earth that cares about infant and child's develop, children's development and children's health. What are you going to say to people? One of the biggest things that I thought about when I launched the initiative was, you know, how can I create this university that anybody could use it? Because the reality is, in Baltimore City, there is a health disparity between mm -hmm. black and white moms. Absolutely. Or between, so, like, just the socioeconomic oh. spectrum, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. So how do you get everybody on the same page? And the reality is, you can't. Mm -hmm. You can't. Like, you will literally drive yourself crazy trying to get everybody on the same page to follow you. So, you know, incorporating in barriers, like I even look at barriers on different levels. So let's just say a barrier for me would be from the healthcare side because there's limited data around the box mm -hmm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so technically, you know, I wouldn't say it was too egregious, but typically healthcare practitioners are very conservative. Mm -hmm. They're conservative because of data and I get it. It's perfect, fine. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna collect data, I'm gonna tell you what I, find, what I found, but the reality is I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. I'm doing something for our problem, and something is better than nothing. But then let's just be real, Marche. Like you're gonna get barriers from the people on your team. Oh, oh. You get you oh get my. pushed back from the people that's like your oh, a one day ones. Yeah. Because yeah. when I launched this, people were like, "Shanta, I'm not talking to you about no box. Like we're talking about a box. Can't you just go to Home Depot? Like people recycle boxes. Like why is oh. this a thing? Oh. I'm like a thing. Like my thing is saving babies. Yep. This is more than this a thing. This is a thing. So, it, you know, we, sometimes we think about barriers like, you know, funding, or we think about, like, office space, or we think about, you know, some of these higher barriers, but you need to start with your home front. Yeah. Because that can mess with your psyche that you don't even pursue this dream you have. Because if I had listened to the naysayers in the beginning, I would still not have done half of what I've done over the last year and a half with this box the box and you've been doing a lot with that <laughs> box 900 yes it's moving it has a life of its own i'm trying to keep up with the box <laughs> that is absolutely amazing how do i get in contact with you if i want to stalk you in your work um so my instagram i am on instagram is Chantel me not um s-h-a-n M-E-N-O-T-H-N. Or you can just follow the nonprofit Touching Young Lives, which is a much easier spelled <laughs> out name. Um, and if you have any questions, you can always email me at ChantelRoberts at TheImpactfulSolution.net. And I would be happy to help however I can. So I feel like you've said so much and that you've, <laughs> you have opened yourself and you have, and through your work, you have no choice but to every day and every time someone asks you about this and why and how and when, you have to tell that beautiful story 
and go through these emotions again. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you because yeah. that's not easy. It is a blessing. And this is what I mean about advocacy work. Like some people get up and, you know, they decide, you know, I want to advocate for something or I believe in this and or however they get there. But then some people are created. It, you had no choice. This is what you were going to do. It was said. And now it's done. And I want to thank you for a job thank well done. You. And that you're out here and that you're doing it and you're doing it well. And that you are telling people how they can do it. And I hope people were really paying attention because we have these ideas and dreams that live in us. Everybody's not broke, y'all. <laughs> Get out. There are people that will give you free services. There are uh, nonprofits and for profits that will invest yes. in you. Yes. But first, you have to invest in yourself and you have to believe it and you got to go for it. And I'm talking to myself. That's the word. Y'all can leave now because <laughs> this, this is now That's a message word. for myself. <laughs> This is a message for myself. <laughs> but no, I want to thank the listeners. I really, really hope that you enjoyed this uh, first episode of The Last Advocate. If this is telling of how this is going to go, I'm just going to say I'm going to be really excited about it because you really helped this become a great experience for me today. And yes. I thank you, thank you, thank you for doing what you do, being thank good you. at it. Thank you. And for trying to get people to get Let out there know. and do it for themselves. I thank you, thank help. you. Thanks. So thank you, everyone. I hope you took down uh, Chantel Roberts' information. If you want to get involved in what she's doing in any kind of capacity, I suggest you reach out to her. Uh, like she said, you got to go for it in 2018. You got to uh, shoot your shot. So I am thankful for the opportunity. I am thankful for the listeners. And we will see you next time on The Last Advocate. Thank you.